Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. And I'm Ryan Zook. I'm Aaron McMahon. On this week's episode, we will be talking about the Michigan basketball team, which is on a four-game losing streak. What has gone wrong? Can the ship be righted? We've got football news as well with the Senior Bowl in the rearview mirror and more clarity on Michigan's NFL draft prospects. All that and more coming up on the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. We might even talk a little mission hockey today, too, maybe. A little, and maybe a little woman's hoops. Sure. See, all that, that and more. And more. All right. All, all right. that all right. and more. Well, let's see. Travel for work. Do a little vacation. Travel as well. And then the influenza virus really put this podcast on hiatus. You just gave me a look like you're just learning that that's what it I'm good now. I was going to ask you like like I'm, I'm, I'm good. Right. I don't I have that anymore. I haven't been sicking over years, so I'm like, yeah, I'm I wouldn't like have come in. That's why we, we didn't do it last year or last week because of that. I'm happy I didn't have to sit next to him at the basketball game. He did not sound good. What was that? What game was? Yeah, that? no, I thought I was going to have to pass my questions up to Juwan, like you know, like I'm passing notes in, in middle school or whatever. But yeah, he, he said, "I'll let you guys know about doing a podcast tomorrow if I feel better." I'm like, "We're not doing a podcast tomorrow." Yeah, There's especially in Chrysler, you know, it's always so loud. They're always playing music and stuff, like trying to talk to the guy next to you. I just gave up at one point. Right, yeah. Just like, no, oh, I have a. I'm going to share. Not worth it. Well, we're glad to have you back and healthy. Yeah, thanks. Michigan got Isaiah back. Isaiah Livers back and healthy, you know, for all of 19 minutes of game action before just an eerily similar play to what he got hurt on the first time. Uh, Dunk attempt, foul. And Isaiah Livers coming up grimacing and uh, unable to, you know, return to that game just a few minutes into the second half. So, yeah, as far as Livers, we have not gotten any update on him, you know, since the immediate post game, which was minimal. That will change this afternoon. So come Tuesday, you know, we'll have, well, you know, Monday night, whatever, we'll have more. I don't know. I was told by the Michigan program spokesperson it was not the same injury. It was a different injury. Does it even matter? I don't know. I, I guess if it's the same, then you get to say, well, he's out at least six weeks now because we know that's what it took the first time or what. I, I don't know. Bottom line is he, I, I'm not even sure he's going to miss any games going forward. I don't know. But they need him. Even with him, this team is not looking great, but they need all hands on deck. This is now four in a row. You know, the first two games they lost uh, of this losing streak were both on the road, and they were both games that Michigan had a chance at that three-minute mark. You know, Mm -hmm. three minutes to go in the game, it's tied, essentially, or a one-point game. And then they kind of fell apart down the stretch at Minnesota and Iowa. Then they came home. They played a Penn State team, which I'll, I'll put right in the in the conversation. They were good. They're scrappy. They're fine. Team. Yeah, yeah, I mean, listen, in this Big Ten, I think it's Michigan State, and if you want to say talent wise, maybe you know Maryland and, and Illinois are up there. But basically, a lot of these teams they're they're pretty darn similar. So I'll put Penn State in there, but still, at home, you got to win that game, and they they come out flat. And then, you know, made their push, took a lead. But by that three-minute mark, you know, three minutes to go in the game, Penn State was in control. So, like, that was a game where the score, it did indicate, you know, kind of the margin, which was, you know, at the end it was a, a nine-point loss for Michigan to Penn State at home. Yeah, and then come right back on Saturday and lose again at home to Illinois. You know, this one going right down to the wire. In the most dramatic fashion, you can lose a game. I mean, you miss five straight free throws to end the game, and then you lose on a buzzer beater after playing great defense on a guy and it's all for nothing and that losing streak just continues now it's got to be it's got to be frustrating for the players too i mean you think you're gonna beat a ranked team at home and you have an opportunity to put them away and and you miss free throws and you let a good player like don so have the ball in the last possession and bad things can happen 
So what has been the issue? Is it is it simply defense? Is it the shooting? What do you think is? Is it everything? What is yeah, it? I mean, it's been like, okay, so uh, I feel like good teams, they find ways to win. That's, mm-hmm. a, that's a thing, we a phrase we always use. Well, bad teams, the opposite is true. They find ways to lose, and that's kind of what's happened to Michigan. So, you know, their games against Minnesota and Iowa, they were scoring points, you know, for the most part. They hit double-digit threes in each of those games, and they lost. The game against Penn State. They held Penn State under a point per possession. You know, overall, pretty good defense there. But then they, they did give up the eight three threes, and they couldn't hit one. Exactly. They go five for 28 from downtown. Same thing against Illinois. Four for 17. You know, Illinois didn't only hit four as well, so that wasn't a huge factor. But just could not really score and then can't get those. You know, if you can't score, then it puts more pressure on your defense. If you're not giving up points, then every time you don't score, it, they're just not playing well together right now. They can't figure it out. They're losing games, you know, 90 to 83 and then 64, 62. So it's just, again, like I said, just finding new ways to give away games. This most recent one, as Ryan mentioned, kind of at the foul line, which Foul shooting has been an issue for this team for now right. a few years. Charles Matthews had some problems. Avery Simpson had some problems, like some key ball handlers. But it hadn't really bit them. I mean, this is something that was always monitored, and like it never cost them a game. As much as there's 40 minutes and, and mm-hmm. other things could have gone well, they get that stop at the end, whatever. But you could say they make those free throws. They're up mm-hmm. enough that that yeah. shot doesn't beat them. Free throw shooting costumes are just another way to lose a game. I've been seeing a lot of like people that say, oh, they're, they're getting wide open looks from three. I'm like, yes, you are. But if you continue to miss them, maybe that's not your best option. Like if you're still missing the, the open looks. Not a good yeah, maybe, all team. right. When Franz took it to the basket a few times, I feel like he could be maybe don't rely so much on your outside shooting. Get to the foul line more. Throw some different looks out there. There but. was a point during the, the last game. I was looking at the stat. I didn't watch most of the game, but I was looking at the box scores that was going on. Michigan was, I think, one of 11 from three at that point. Yep. But they were shooting like 50% otherwise. So at that point, I was thinking, I'm like, why don't you just do what you're good at and <laughs> right. focus on that? So, yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head, right? I mean, obviously, the game of basketball has changed, evolved so much where teams like to rely on the outside shot because right. it's obviously more sufficient and everything else. But like you said, when you're not shooting well from the perimeter, you should do something that, you know. Or not have John Testy shoot like three threes yes. in a game. Like this. It's, just, it's tricky because, yeah, you want to look at the shot quality, but then you got to look at who's taking them. So, I mean, mm-hmm. we just go through the rotation here. You got Xavier Simpson. The guy's career, 30% from three. Right. He's had the opportunity to show he's an outside shooter. And at this point, I think you could say he's not. I mean, he started off the season somewhat strong, like most of these guys did in the Bahamas. But, yeah, he's not He's not a main threat from outside. Eli Brooks is an interesting case. I mean, big-time shooter and scorer in high school. Had not shown it in two years at the college level and then started off you know, pretty hot this season. You know, five threes in his first game, four for six in the North Carolina game, two for four in Gonzaga. But it's kind of gone. He's had his games. I mean, he had five threes in the, in the game at Iowa earlier this year. He's at 38%. I would say he's a guy that in opposing defense you don't want to just leave open. Mm-hmm. He's a threat. Fine. But again, he's been kind of cold during this stretch. David DeJulius, again, big time in high school. Has he shown it at the, at the college level? Not last year, this year at times. But again, he's kind of gone cold lately as the competition steps up. Franz Wagner, tough to say. He's a freshman overseas player, a guy I wouldn't leave open just on kind of his mechanics and his form and uh, his reputation. But he's right now after uh, you know one for six showing against Illinois, one for eight against Penn State. He's a fraction under 30%. Yeah. He's second in, in attempts of the season. So when you're second best, yeah. quote-unquote, three-point shooters under 30%, I mean, that's not, not an ideal right. number to be at. Livers, prove it. Brandon Johns, his replacement, unproven from three-point. I mean, capable, 
I mean, I, I think by capable, he's attempting them. You know, I don't think guys get the green light unless they can right. do it in practice to a certain extent. But, you know, for his college career, eight for 30. And then who, who else is in the room? John Teske. Okay, the, you, you mentioned him, Ryan. He's an interesting case because if your big man can step out and be that threat, it really does open up it the does. offense. It does. And he's had games. You know, he didn't do it at all as a freshman. And then as a sophomore, he would take one or two or three a game. And if he could hit just one of those – That'd be enough. You know, you shoot 33%. That's keeping them honest. But, you know, for the season, he was he was right at 30%, and now he's at 26, 27. He had six uh, three-point attempts That's in the last many. game. That is too many for your big and, and And when they come matters to matter, too. You know what I mean? If he's shooting them with tired legs, if he's shooting them early in the shot clock – that's probably not ideal. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of your roster of rotation players, you know, who shoot threes. That's really been part of the issue. Yeah, overall for the for the season, they're at 34%. In conference games, though, that number's way down. It's at 27%, which is worst in the Big Ten. But they're, they're first in two-point percentage, which is, you know, what Aaron was getting at. They're first in, you know, not committing turnovers. So, you know, they do some things well offensively. All in all, it's been okay, but it's defensively. I just don't get it because I really don't get Xavier Simpson, if we're being honest, mm-hmm. because Teske has had his problems, but he built his reputation being kind of a, a mobile big man mm-hmm. defender. You know, he would hedge on ball screens and, you know, John Beeline always talked about he had small feet for his size. Mm-hmm. He had he could move laterally and then he could challenge shots at the rim, you know, backpedaling and, and walling up, as they say, stationed under the basket and just taking, you know, a big man's, you know, just just getting pounded in there over and over, that's not really proven to be a strike. So he's in a different role. Xavier Simpson's in a very similar role. You know, just stay in front of your guy and right. guard some of these admittedly elite guards in the Big Ten. I don't know why it's not working for him. Is it is it more responsibility on offense now kind of taken away from his defense? Is, is it instead of having Charles Matthews there, you know, helping out in the gaps, it's, you know, some of these other guys who aren't as good defensively? I don't know. Overall, though, their defense has taken a huge step back. Can this team, I mean, maybe we're talking, it's too early, I don't know, can they turn it around in time for the tournament? I mean, they had a good start to the season. Mm-hmm. They won the tournament in the Bahamas and everything else. They started off so hot, and then they, can they turn around in time for the tournament? Maybe if I stop covering them. Yeah, you guys, <laughs> are you the reason? He has been a jinx. You know, they were 7-0, and they were 8-1. Your first game was the Oregon game, Yeah, right? and they lost that game. And they lost that game in overtime. Yeah, another close one. Yeah, top 10 in the country at that point, and it's just kind of plummeted since then. And you even missed missed a couple of the wins. Yeah, I did. Since we were then. In, Aaron and I were in Orlando during the Presbyterian and UMass Lowell. Then, so. I feel like they're like one in six <laughs> since you started covering yeah. But to answer the question, I think, yes, I think you could take some comfort in the fact that the Big Ten is loaded. Mm-hmm. Look at these, these bracket projections, 8, 9, 10, that. 11, 12 teams in some of these projections in the field. You know, Michigan, that Gonzaga win's going to hold up. You know, they took Oregon right to the wire. So, yeah, if you say this in the Big Ten, it's really tough. These teams know each other well. They're beating up on each other. You know, come March, get outside of the conference, it can help. But, you know, if they don't write the ship, they won't even, they won't yeah. even be in the NCAA tournament, potentially. I mean, that's, right. again, too early to say that. Right. But, you know, I think it's a perfect time to play Nebraska. Yeah, Nebraska and Northwestern are just... You know, there's a significant. We talk about this cluster in the Big Ten. There is a significant gap bottom. between, yeah, the, the two bottom teams, Nebraska and Northwestern. So, you know, you want you want to talk about a coaching transitions. They don't always go so smoothly. Right. Michigan's is going as smooth as a baby's bottom compared to you know what Nebraska is going on here. Tons of transfers and mm-hmm. just uh, you know some really bad losses. They're seven and thirteen. You know, they lost to UC Riverside, Southern Utah, um, North Dakota, not to mention, you know, all their Big Ten losses. So, But even they, they've been 2-2 two two at home, so can't take anything for granted in this league. But, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of running out of steam voice-wise here. If we can shift the football, it's <laughs> yeah. perfect, perfect time. Let's do it. Well, you want to talk about the Senior Bowl, I guess, first? Senior Bowl just happened on, on Saturday. Yeah, it's fresh. 
Yeah, I mean, there's a couple like a storylines coming out of this thing. Michigan had six guys play. I think it led the country in, in terms of number of players from a team. I mean, one standout, especially, I thought was Josh Uche. You know, I watched. I don't know if Ryan, I don't know if you saw all three practices, but I watched all three practices and it almost seemed like every practice, almost every play on defense he was in, he was getting by his, his tackle and getting the quarterback. I mean, he was getting a ton of praise locally from the folks there. Our own Kyle Monkey wrote a story about him and, and the job he was doing down there. Afterwards, he's got a lot of praise. Mel Kuyper had him moved up on his outside linebacker board, number seven. Some folks are talking potential. Second, third, I saw a potential first round is name mentioned for there. So Uche's stock has, has certainly risen since he's, this whole week. And that's what the senior ball is all about here. I mean, a lot of, you'll see some of these top guys will sit out because they're afraid of messing with their stock and falling. But if you're in the middle of the pack there or you think you weren't given a full responsibility during the season with your school, um, this opportunity for you to impress folks. I mean, every NFL scout is down there. There's coaching staffs from the Lions were there, Cincinnati Bengals were there. So there's a lot of folks there just watch your game and you can help help yourself. I think Uche certainly did that. And uh, the flip side, though, you can also hurt your stock, which I think mm-hmm. Shea Patterson kind of did with his performance at practice and the game on Saturday. I mean, after the first day, there were some pretty uh, critical comments about his play during practice. I mean, who was it? Matt Miller basically called him undraftable. undraftable. Yeah. <laughs> so. well, Matt, you know, Matt Patricia, I, I was reading on Twitter, and I didn't watch the ESPNU broadcast because every day NFL Network was there, but ESPNU, I think, did their own thing too. But mm-hmm. there was one day where they mic'd up Matt Patricia, yes. and he was cursing at Shea Patterson for dropping the football, fumbling the football, dropping the simple exchanges from the center. Um, now, granted, I think Shea deserves some so Michigan was they operated mainly out of the shotgun this year right, he was right. operating under center for the most part this whole week so it was a, a transition for him but he's done it before it's not like he's never done this before so like sometimes in some cases you, you feel bad for him but the same token you can't do that at this senior bowl like this is an opportunity where you need to shine and I don't I don't think Shea Patterson shined this week at all and in, the, in his first first pass during the game though he came in in the second quarter um, threw a nice 75 yard touchdown pass on, on a wheel route to the running the receiver back receiver was wide, or yeah, right. wide, wide yeah, over but yeah. Like, he hit him in stride yeah. so and thought oh alright maybe he didn't build off that, but ended up finishing six of ten for 131 yards and had an interception that was, that was it was ugly. It was a high wobbly pass. I mean, if the guy who picked it off didn't pick it off, there would be another guy, another safety behind him that could have picked it off too. So I mean, it was that that was a rough throw. And well, I mean, there's still a few months until the draft, but at this point, Shea Patterson's stock is not very high. He was. He, let me just say something. You, you say you, you think he hurt his stock. I mean, right. that may be true, but it's not. This wasn't a guy who was like a guarantee a lock oh, to get right, picked, right? You know, he had to go out there and play well. I right, mean, right. I'm not saying nothing to right, lose, but right. I was surprised, and I think some folks were too, that he even got an invite to the Senior Bowl. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's uh, typically Senior Bowl, and, and the granted, there are a couple of guys that didn't opted not to play in this thing. Right. But typically, it's top top of the top quarterbacks, and I wouldn't consider Shea in that in that tier. Right. And so, I was surprised he got an invite, but you know, at the same token, it was an opportunity for him. I don't think he took advantage of it. I mean, he was getting criticized for his footwork and not stepping up on the pocket on, on plays and just basic stuff that quarterbacks need to be executing. Yeah, sure, clear. I shouldn't have said like he was criticizing him for doing it, but yeah, like yeah, yeah. he did okay. go, and I don't think he did anything. He didn't no. did anything to benefit. He didn't him. help himself. Right. Sure. So yeah, I mean, those were the two. I, there were a couple other guys I noticed while I was watching practice. Ben Bredesen, I thought he did a fantastic job all, all week long, at least what I, from what I saw and the, the plays and practice in the games. I mean, he was handling his guys without problem. There were there were no issues from a pass protection standpoint with him. He entered the week, I think, as Mel Kuyper's number one guard in the draft available. I certainly don't think he hurt his stock. In fact, it may have helped him. I, we'll see. The other guys, I didn't see much of McCune. He was out there, but he didn't do a whole lot. 
well, Same with Kalik. Kalik Hudson didn't do a ton. Josh Mattel's got burned a couple times. And then, again, I don't know from a scheme standpoint if that was on the cornerback or that was on him. I mean, sometimes safeties is not necessarily their fault. Um, but I saw him with his back to the football a couple times in the game and in practice. Um, so a couple guys did well, a couple guys not so hot. But, you know, Michigan, they, they showed out well. They had, Like I said, they had the most guys of, of any other school there. Some good to take, some not. Most of these guys, in fact, Probably all of them will get invites to the NFL Scouting Combine in the end of February in Indianapolis. So they'll get another opportunity to show their speed and their endurance and athleticism and everything else. At this point, though, it is looking highly unlikely that any Michigan player will be selected in the first round. I mean, obviously a lot can change, but at this point, if you had a Ask me today if any Michigan player will be drafted the first 32 picks. I would say no. And, and if you would have asked me before this week who I would have thought would be the first pick for Michigan, the Michigan's collection of guys going to the draft this year, I probably would have told you either Bredesen or maybe Peoples Jones, Jones just off athleticism. Right. But I think Uche certainly helped himself this week. I would not be surprised if he sneaks in here early day two or second or third round guy. He's going to have to test well at the combine. That will be key because a lot of NFL personnel they take a lot of stock in those type of things, but he certainly certainly. Caesar Ruiz is another name. Ruiz, he wasn't yeah. he wasn't a senior, but one of the top centers out there as well. So um, obviously he was only a junior, so he couldn't compete in the senior bowl. But I think he has a, a chance to improve his stock with a strong. Michigan's strong. got several guys that go day two. I really mm-hmm. think second and third round. So we'll obviously continue to monitor that. The draft isn't until April in Las Vegas, uh, so we got several months here. But the combine is the uh, the next step for several of these guys. Wouldn't be surprised to see some M Live presence at this draft, given the location. Uh, I would love to go. I'll have to talk to the boss about that one. <laughs> I would love to go. We'll see. Mr. Vegas himself. Yeah, I don't know. The fact that we want a first round pick, probably not. Right, right. But, you know, you never know. I guess. Right? Yeah, especially if no one's no Michigan guys are attending it. Right, right. That's the yeah. thing with those things. Usually, it's usually the guys are projected to go first round will go or yeah. they'll get an invite to go. But even the the fringe first round guys, hey, they're scared. They're scared because if they don't go first round, then they look bad for being there and everything right. else. So it's it's usually the top 10, 15 guys, and after that, it's you don't hear. I don't hear NFL players talk about the draft the way NBA players talk about it. it was my dream to walk across that stage mm-hmm. and shake the commissioner's hand. I don't, it's just doesn't well, have the same like cachet, does it? Does no, it? I don't. I don't think so. Maybe that's a number, just a numbers game. Just because yeah. NBA's only got two rounds and right. NFL's got seven, so like it's just the, the sheer volume of guys. And whose dream is it to shake hands with Roger Goodell? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's probably hard. Yeah, so. And the games are just different. I mean, basketball, one player can literally yep. change the scope of a game or a team of a franchise. Whereas football, I mean, you can make the argument for some individuals, maybe a quarterback or a skill guy but a first round offensive lineman isn't going to move the needle a ton with, with sure. the, the general fan base so right other than that football wise there isn't a ton michigan did confirm a couple of assistant coaches contract wise bob shoop is the new safeties coach brian jean mary from south florida is the new linebackers coach we reported that several weeks ago they were going to get hired their contracts during those are official they're two-year not deals bob stoops no not no. bob stoops <laughs> bob shoop uh, Shoot, there it is. Uh, he's a, he was a former uh, defensive coordinator for um, Joe Moorhead, Mississippi State. Joe, he was he spoke glowingly about Bob. He's not a big recruiter. Look at his recruiting rankings. He's not, but he's a proven talent developer and a coach. So like Michigan was looking, obviously looking for a guy that can help maybe you know mold some of their their secondary guys. But Brian Jean Mary is a former recruiting coordinator at Texas, and he was the assistant head coach and recruiting coordinator at South Florida as well. He recruits the state of Florida heavily, uh, starting to give Michigan added presence there because as we've spoken about on the podcast in the weeks prior, Michigan has basically lost their pipeline, New Jersey, with Anthony Campanelli leaving. So we have to go elsewhere for some of these guys, and Florida is a good place to start. Quick few minutes to talk a little puck. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we weren't weren't able to get together last week, but the Michigan hockey team had another strong weekend, beating Penn State six to nothing. 
and tying them four to four. Penn State was ranked number six at the time. So it's been a, a strong start to the second half of the year for the Wolverines, who are 3 0 and 1 since the calendar turned to 2020. Um, still below 500 overall at 10 11 and 3 and 5 7 and 2 in the Big Ten, but they're kind of getting back into the NCAA tournament picture at number 24 right now in the pairwise rankings. Kind of the, what's essentially the determining factor to get into the 16 team NCAA tournament. Big, big series at home this weekend against number six, Ohio State. So a win or two there to, to go a long way. It's a Cinderella story. And this Two years ago when they went to the Frozen Four, they were also below 500 at the break and went on a tear in the second half of the season and reached the Frozen Four. So, I mean, it can be done. They need to score more on a consistent basis. But Aaron's favorite player, Strauss Mann, has been one of the best player goalies in the country this year with the sub-two goals against average and a 937 save percentage. So he's been rock solid for them. And Rock solid? He's standing on his head. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, we'll see. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Sorry for the break. Be back more regularly here going forward. God willing. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening.